of Shannon on Batman. Tonight's episode, we are jumping right into our Justice League preview. Uh, we are one week out from Justice League, so we're going to talk so much Justice League tonight. Talk Batman, talk Superman, you know, maybe we'll get into some Flashpoint talk. So let's make, make sure that you stay tuned for this entire hour and a half long episode and on tonight's episode we have one of our favorite guests returning sean gerber from superhero news he's everywhere you can find him on so many different social medias at that sean gerber so please give a warm welcome to sean gerber to the podcast well sean welcome to the show here um before let's go let's go and get started let's talk some justice league real quick um what does justice league need to do for you in order for you to like it well, thanks for having me back. Um, I don't really know if there's one particular thing that Justice League needs to do in order for me to like it. I mean, first and foremost, it needs to be a good movie. Um, now, I mean, Wonder Woman was great earlier this year, and I would love I would love to see it continue along that trajectory of being another great movie from DC Films. So, um, but it doesn't necessarily have to be on that level. I mean, I. If I get to see the characters, recognize the characters, get to have some cool moments with them as people, and at the same time watch them be the Justice League and team up and do a bunch of cool action stuff, um, then I think that's going to be generally enough for me to like it. I mean, I know as somebody who, and, and of course everybody who follows me knows, I didn't love Batman v Superman very much at all. Um, but I know that makes some people think I'm super hard to please when it comes to uh, DC movies, but I'm really not. Um, there's plenty of stuff that, uh, there's plenty of movies that maybe other people don't think are great that I actually do enjoy. But uh, Justice League, though, I think it's mainly about the characters. I want to see, we all know Superman's coming back. It's like the lamest secret in the history of comic book movies. Everybody knows he's going to be back, so I want to see Superman come in and just really be the kind of Superman we would expect him to be. Uh, Want to see Ben Affleck's Batman kind of take the next step and where in his character arc after Batman v Superman. Um, and then just see Wonder Woman continuing to kick ass and take a leadership role uh, on the team. And then cool stuff from, uh, cool funny stuff from Flash, Cyborg, and, and Aquaman. And, and obviously some badass Jason Momoa Aquaman stuff. Before we really get into like our preview, you just recently uh moderated the stanley comic-con do you want to talk about like what that experience was like how you were contacted and all that stuff and then like uh, what it was like to like actually be there and moderate because i remember like seeing that like your instagram posts and that twitter yeah. and all that stuff how like excited you were and i'm like we were all like really excited for you to do that yeah i mean it was uh it was it was fun i mean the I was, I was at Stanley's LA Comic Con last month and I moderated a couple of panels. The first one was with Andy Park, who is uh, the visual development supervisor and also a concept artist with Marvel Studios. And he was the lead for visual development on Thor Ragnarok, uh, as well as Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 earlier this year. And so 
did a panel with him and then I also did and that one I pretty much set that one up because I've known gotten to know Andy a, a little bit of just going to different Marvel events and seeing him there and talk or different cons and seeing him and talking to him and I knew I was going to be going to LA Comic Con so I just said hey what what if we did a panel about your work and he's like yeah sure and then that was pretty much that um and then the other panel that I did was an interview on the main stage with Chloe Bennett, who plays Daisy Johnson slash Quake, or was also at one point known as Sky on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And that one just kind of came together maybe a little more than a week before the show. Like they just decided I didn't I know that she was I knew she was going to be there for a while because I think she was doing like photo ops and autographs and stuff like that. And then um they needed a, uh, you know, the they needed somebody to moderate her interview uh, panel on uh, on the main stage on the Saturday afternoon, and I was like, well, I'll do it. And then they, <laughs> and so, and then it went through, you know, that went through some other stuff that I can't totally talk about, but yeah, like it was just there was an opportunity there. I, I threw my name in the hat, and it got picked. Well, congratulations, sir. I'm, Thank like, you. You have, like. Like we're supporting you, and we hope that this continues on. And hopefully, I'd much rather see you at like San Diego Comic Con over Chris Hardwick because that guy just has everything. Like, come uh, on. Yeah, but Hardwick's a really good guy. So, because um, I had there was there was actually a show that I worked with him a little bit on uh, that uh, I think it was like a couple years ago. But so I had a chance to meet him a few times, and now I see him and say hello to him at the same events where I see like Andy Park. So. Uh, from Marvel, so yeah, he's a he's a really good guy. So I'm not trying to I'm definitely not trying to take that guy's place, nor am I anywhere close to it. Well, we know you. We don't know him, so let's just give it to Sean Gerber. <laughs> <laughs> um, so like, let's get right back to the Justice League talk. So yep, like discuss like what like you what the things you want to see. So let's talk mm -hmm. about some of like the controversies that have like surrounded this film since sure, the end sure. of Batman v Superman. You know, yeah. uh, we got a little taste of like, like what to expect from Justice League from the end, like the little post-credit sequence or mm -hmm. mid-credit sequence of Suicide Squad. But from the moment this movie was announced and just dated and all that, people decided they were going to do that. There's just been this weird controversy, this weird, like this cloud over this film. Mm -hmm. And since then, like we obviously, there's been some. You know, Zack Snyder had to deal with a devastating loss, a tragedy, yep. you know, the walk away. And now that Joss Whedon came, kind of came in and, like, put finishing touches on the film, there's just been so much, like, whose film is this? Does this, mm -hmm. does this really matter to you as a fan of these films? Who, at the end of the day, came in and kind of, like, put the final touches on, you know, Justice League? Or are you kind of one of those, one of those people those fans are like as long as the film's good i don't care what happened behind the scenes that's pretty much where i'm at i don't really care you know what percentage is Zack snyder what percentage is joss whedon my stance on this has been uh if you can tell everything that zach and everything that's joss then that's a problem in the movie because that zach and joss have very different styles um so if you can completely tell the difference between like who did what, then Justice League will probably end up feeling a little bit disjointed, at least a little bit disjointed. So I really only care 
that it comes together as a good, cohesive film. Um, and then everybody else can sort out who gets credit. I mean, I do believe that people deserve to have credit for their work. So on that principle, I would agree with, you know, everybody getting credit for what they did. And Joss got credit because he shares a screenplay credit on this one. Um, while Zach has the credit as the director and Zach should have credit as director. I mean, he went and shot the thing. I know Joss did reshoots, but Zach was the director on board for the vast majority of this film. Um, but yeah, I don't get caught up in that. And I think fans waste a lot of their own energy getting too caught up on that. You're never going to know, uh, put it that, or actually, let me put it this way. You never should know, <laughs> like you never should be able to tell who did what and how much of each thing they all did because then you're, the like I said before, the movie's kind of disjointed. If it, it all comes together seamlessly as you would want it to, and it's a good movie, then it doesn't really matter. And everybody got everybody's getting their credit from the various you know by the various organizations that are in charge of assigning credit for these things. So I don't think there's anything else to really worry about beyond that. I kind of attribute this. I remember watching the behind the scenes of like the Lord of the Rings trilogy, and there were like seven units at all time. Peter mm -hmm. could everything. And like so, he had handpicked the, these individuals to kind of like take up the reins, and they were all constantly rewriting scenes and rehashing mm -hmm. and editing. And you know, there was then after all that was said and done, there were pickups, like extensive pickups, and they were like they were they were making the film after they had won the Academy Award, and no one cares at the end of the day. That the film wasn't even completed. They just like, I love Lord of the Rings. I love The Return of the King. You know, the Battle of Helm Deep, yep. Deep is amazing. And no one talks about the stuff that goes on behind the scenes. I mean, obviously, what happened on Lord of the Rings isn't the kind of like the same thing as what has been going on with right. you and, you know, and Justice League. But at the same time, it's kind of similar in its ways of, you know, at the end of the day, the film is what it is. No mm -hmm. one is remembered five years from now that Joss Whedon came in and, you know, took up and, you know, polished this, made this work a little bit better, you know, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, if you put paid your 12 bucks and you were satisfied by the film, isn't that enough? That's just kind of like a little rant I had about it. Yeah, no, that should be enough for anybody. Ultimately, the movie is you, ultimately, you are the one who spends your own money, and I, I mean you, not just you specifically, but you and to the people listening. If you, when you're the one who goes and spends the money that you worked hard for and earned to go watch a movie, if you are satisfied with the experience that you got in exchange for the money you spent, then that's really what it's that's really what it comes down to, um, and it doesn't really matter, um, you know how which. E how much each director had their input on the movie. It's, it's obvious they both had significant impacts on the movie. There's no way around that. But, you know, but again, that's people getting too caught up in stuff that doesn't really matter. It, as long as it's a cohesive, seamless movie that tells a good story and, and tells it very, very well, then that's it. There's, no, there's really nothing else to be concerned about. And I see like a lot of people are just getting caught up in like things that don't even have like the runtime. Oh my god, the movie's not three hours long. The movie's gonna suck. It's gonna suffer. How yeah. like how's a two hour runtime? If you can't tell a story in two hours, then you're not doing your job anyway. Well, plenty enough time. Well, a story's got to be as long as the, that particular story needs to be, which is why I I 
always laugh at the obsession over runtime because it's not just a I know it became a big thing in the past few weeks for Justice League, but I see runtime it runtime is a headline for basically every nerd movie. Everybody wants to know what the runtime is for superhero movies and for Star Wars movies. And I don't know why people are so preoccupied with this idea of runtime when it doesn't tell you anything because you don't know what the story is. If you don't know what the story is, you don't know how long it should take to tell that story. You have no idea. You're just pulling numbers out of your ass, really, is what you're doing. If you're going to sit there and say, Justice League needs to be two and a half hours. Did you read the script? How do you know it needs to be two and a half hours or three hours? You don't know. You just think that because somewhere along the way, I think it was more in like the Nolan era when people were really hoping. I remember runtime really coming into like nerd movies in the wake of Lord of the Rings, having these three hour, these three plus hour movies in theaters, and they were getting, they were fantasy films getting Oscar, uh, getting Oscar nominations and Oscar victories. And then you had, of course, everybody thinks of the God, the first two Godfather movies, two of the greatest movies of all time, clocking in at over three hours. And so when people were thinking, well, now if these fantasy Lord of the Rings films can get an Oscar nominations, maybe comic book movies can too. And that was, of course, after Batman Begins. And you start thinking, people were thinking like The Dark Knight, could this be the one that could maybe get an Oscar nomination? People were really wondering how long the movie was going to be. And it was this thing of, oh, it's two and a half hours. So that means maybe it'll be this big... Oscar-worthy epic, and of course it was, even if it didn't get nominated, but that's not about the runtime. That's what people mistake for it, is that The Dark Knight told its story, and it took as long as it needed to take, but Justice League is telling its own story, and if that if that story is two hours, then so be it. Until you see it, you can't say that you know for sure that the movie had scenes that were cut short or things that were just totally eliminated that probably should have still been there. You don't really know. You're just you're really just taking a guess at how long you think the movie needs to be. But unless you know, unless you've got the script in your hand, which is more than most people have got, uh, there's really no way you can say just based on the runtime if it's a good or bad thing for Justice League. There's a film that I saw this summer called Dunkirk, and it was yeah. like an hour and forty minutes long. Yeah, and like and it told the story, and now it's like like. People are like seriously considering it to be best picture, like nominated, worthy. Like, yeah, like that's that's what they're thinking. It was like literally an hour, forty minutes long. There's barely any dialogue in the film. It's told the story needed, like exactly what Sean said. The story just has to organically come together. It can't be mm -hmm. you have to have a you know beginning, middle, and end. It has to tie up loose ends. You know, there has to be good acting. Like all that has to take place, and none of that has anything to do with the runtime. Because yeah. runs, like the first, you know, the first cut of Step Brothers was five hours long. That's comedy. <laughs> yeah. Here and here we are. Like uh, we have an epic, you know, superhero. If it's two hours long, as long as it's a good two hours, and there's not a lot of like glaring issues, like in Suicide Squad. Like I'm sorry, I'm not trying. To, like I enjoyed Suicide Squad the first two times I saw it. Now I kind of like see it as like what it is, and yeah. Take back at it man that movie just is not good at all i must have been like on like some weird medication or completely inebriated <laughs> i mean that was a good movie maybe i just got caught up in the, the batman the joker and harley quinn but that movie is dog shit now so anyway i'm ranting again and i apologize it's it's a tough rewatch that's mm -hmm. fair it, it, it's it like kyle i don't know if you if you saw kyle's instagram if you guys saw, but there's a photo of <laughs> There's a photo. Kyle, you tell the story. I, I'm going to 
I'm gonna it. I was making kind of a joke how I was doing my pre-Justice League prep by watching all the movies, except I mm-hmm. put the Justice League Blu-ray into the trash can and took a picture of it. So I, I, I don't need to watch that. That one can just stay there. It's fine. I'm going to watch these other movies. So, oh, yeah. Like, yeah, I think the Suicide Squad, I, I did kind of the same thing in that, you know, when I first saw it in theaters, um, I probably gave it a little too much credit. Um which is not to say that I, I think it does have its moments and, and has things that are entertaining about it. And I was really, when I, the first couple times I saw it actually in the, in the theater, because I saw it twice, I was really focused on those things. Um, and then I watched it again at home when the uh, extended cut came out. Um, and I watched it and I was just like, wow, I was, I was definitely watching that one through rose-colored lenses. <laughs> <laughs> Which is actually, I mean, the things that I thought were entertaining originally still are. Um, but it's one of those things where the flaw, I mean, that, and that's usually what happens with me with most movies over time is that the flaws tend to stand out more than the good stuff. Because usually, well, in most cases, that's because the good stuff is most of the movie. Suicide Squads may be a little bit different where the good stuff isn't necessarily most of it. But um, yeah, that one, I don't. I watched the extended cut once when I got it um, and just was, it was a little bit of a struggle to get through it and I haven't watched it again since. So basically what Sean is telling everyone, he threw it in the trash like Kyle did. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's uh, well, see, I bought it. uh, I bought it digitally. So there's nothing to throw in the trash. It just sits there not getting selected. (laughs) Racy, racy, race. Okay. So, there was also this controversy with the Danny Elfman score. And I just want to like preface, like everyone wants the Superman of Christopher Reeve, Richard Donner. Mm-hmm. That's what we all like want. It's how we always compare Henry Cavill. Well, he's not, you know, he's not Christopher Reeve. He's not, he's not the Richard Donner. Like he's do, he doesn't do, you know, the heroic Superman things. And so now Danny Elfman was like, hold up. We don't have to reinvent, like, another Superman. We don't Mm -hmm. have to reinvent Batman. And, you know, I'm paraphrasing him. He's like, well, you know, someone's like, are you going to use any Hans Zimmer's theme? He's like, well, Batman only has one theme. He only Mm -hmm. has Batman's theme. Like, And I also kind of agree with what Danny Elfman said. Because in Batman Begins, you hear, like, the Batman theme. But you barely hear any of that in the subsequent sequels to, you know, The Dark Knight. You hear it like a moment in, you know, the right before the truck flip. And I don't even think you hear the like the actual theme that he kind of created in Batman Begins and The Dark Knight Rises at all, if I remember correctly. It's been a minute since I, I've seen it. I don't know. I mean, I think you hear... Hans Zimmer's Batman theme kind of starts off in Batman Begins, and I think it built. It's the same theme, but he just builds on. He just layers on top of it in Dark Knight, and then even more, a little more so in in Dark Knight Rises. Like it's, you know, I I know there is a theme for Batman in the Christopher Nolan movies, but it's just not. It's not nearly as pronounced, and of course, it's not iconic in the way that Danny Elfman's Batman theme is. Um, he is wrong though. Batman's got minimum two themes. Because everybody else sings the other Batman theme. <laughs> so, uh, but if you're just talking about pure score and instrumental, yes, there's one, uh, there's one theme. And I think, um, 
so I I don't completely disagree with him. It's a little uh, to be the guy saying it. You should rather maybe let people say that for you as opposed to being the one who says you're the only guy who wrote a Batman theme uh, when other people have written music for it. But I, I get what he's saying. And then I, of course, get what he's saying with, um, you know, the John Williams music with Superman. But then again, I mean, even as mixed as some people were on Man of Steel, even people who didn't like that movie and didn't love that representation of Superman loved the score. Um, and Superman does have a theme in Man of Steel. So it's kind of a bummer to see Elfman be completely dismissive of some of the other great music that's been out there. Um, and I'm a little I'm a little torn on this because while I understand that Batman has this iconic theme, and of course Superman has one of the most iconic themes of all time. Uh, by John Williams, I just, it makes me kind of, I kind of liked having different music for the different iterations of these characters on screen. I liked that Christopher Nolan's Batman didn't have Burton's Batman theme, um, and I liked that uh, Zack Snyder's Superman didn't have the musical theme of uh, Christopher Reeve and Richard Donner's Superman. I kind of liked that using music as another cue of showing you that this is a different iteration, but maybe... Maybe now we're we're going through too many different iterations of these characters cinematically to where it's too much for audiences to keep up with what's supposed to be the different sounds of these characters. So maybe it is easier to just, even if it is a different continuity or, or whatever the case may be, to give these characters, let them continue their own with their own iconic themes that people already know. Uh, but then I would that sets up another question. What's Matt Reeves going to do? because most people think that Matt Reeves will continue working with Michael Giacchino, at least that's what I expect as his composer, uh, when he takes on the Batman and presumably does more than one film, is he just going to ask Michael Giacchino to ape Danny Elfman's, uh, pun, no pun intended, sorry, to <laughs> ape uh, Danny Elfman's Batman theme, or is he going to let Michael Giacchino come up with his own Batman theme? And I think the latter is more likely. Um, so that's the thing that, is a little confusing about Justice League is if this was going to be a decision that they were just going to make from now on, Superman has his one theme and that's what we're going to do every time there's a, a Superman in a movie. Okay, fine. And if the, and the same thing for Batman, but I don't think this is something that they're going to stick with. Um, and so that's what makes it feel a little more uh, stunts the wrong word, but it definitely feels like something they're really trying to do just to, just to boost maybe the likability of Justice League as opposed to making a creative decision that they plan to stick with for the long term. We had Chris score on like two years ago, and he, and he came up with this term, fan jobs. This, I feel like this is like Danny Elfman you know, putting those themes in that we all like root for, whatever mm -hmm. we hear. It's clearly for the fans as a fan job. That um, sounds about right. And Kyle had an interesting, you know, take on, because we were talking about this, like Kyle has seen, he's seen one trailer, he hasn't seen any posters, he hasn't seen any other trailers, he's been pretty much, you know, like, you know, dark uh, on Justice League, no pun intended, and now obviously not as good as Sean's pun, but uh, Kyle, <laughs> like, talk about, like, because we had this conversation privately, he said, hey, did you hear the Danny Elfman score? And I said, what, what What do you think about all this? And you kind of had like an interesting take on it. Yeah. So like my thought about it is I, I haven't obviously I haven't heard anything like Justin said. So but my thought about it is even though like we love hearing 
our favorites, our cl- the classic takes on some mm-hmm. some some uh, music and all that. But as much as we like old music, I I'm someone that prefers having new stuff. I like either seeing yeah. new takes on the old stuff or just brand new stuff altogether. But the right. the thing is, nostalgia is a hell of a drug. And yep. so if you go for new, you don't necessarily attract as many people. You don't necessarily sell as much. People want True. the old stuff because they know they like it. So that's that's probably what they're thinking is maybe yep. going for the old theme is probably a safer bet here rather than just trying to compose something completely original. Well, especially when people have been saying, you know, so and I don't want to I know this isn't everybody because certainly there are fans who've argued adamantly against this. But so many of the people who have been critical, uh, just thinking more specifically about Superman for a second, people have been critical and, and they've drawn they when they criticize this current Superman, they bring it all the way back to the Christopher Reeve Superman. So they're clearly telling you we want something more like Christopher Reeve Superman. Well, then let's give you a little taste of the music of the Christopher Reeve Superman. So you're totally right that that's exactly what they're trying to do is draw that connection for not so much for the hardcore fans, but for general audiences who just kind of, you know, because they grew up with the Christopher Reeve Superman, giving them the sound of the Christopher Reeve Superman will help bring back those feelings that those it will bring back that sense of nostalgia of this is what I loved about Superman and the sound is all part of it. Um, so it's it's totally a I'm not it's not a bad thing. Like, I think it is an effective tool, but at the same time, it can also be if it's not used correctly, it can just come across as a little bit cynical um, and that won't in. Maybe it won't be the kind of thing that a mainstream audience would uh, bash the film for, um, but it might be one of those things where you could be setting yourself up for failure, though, if it's a short-term thing, though. If you only do it for Justice League, but then don't do it for the movies after Justice League, then you've really screwed with the audience's expectations because you brought this music back for them, and then maybe now you're not going to stick with it. Um, Now, they may stick with the you know, the John Williams Superman theme going forward, I don't know. Um, But right now, I really don't expect the Danny Elfman Batman theme in uh, the new Matt Reeves era of film. So Batman is where I think they can run into a little bit of an issue. I've never been a fan of Michael G. I I can never pronounce his last name. Never been a fan. I'm I'm a a huge fan of... uh, movie scores like if you went through mm-hmm. my films you probably find i listen to that more than i do like regular like metal I, I love metallica godsmack huge metal fan but i like the last 10 years i've kind of shied away from that if you look through my itunes it's music scores i like mm-hmm. i've a batman radio i've lord of the rings uh, pandora radio uh and I've never been a fan of his music. No, eight. His War of the Planet of the Apes was the closest thing. I was like, you know what? This is serviceable. I like it. It just, for whatever reason, with his like, I'm afraid of what he's gonna bring. Maybe somebody can talk me down about this, but for I me- really like. I mean, I really like Michael Giacchino. Um, he does. I, I think he does a lot of really great stuff. Um, and I know that. More recently, for superheroes, he did uh, he did Doctor Strange last year, and I thought he I really love the Doctor Strange score. I think it's great. I think it's one of the better superhero uh, scores that I've heard in recent years. And he actually gave what excites me about Michael Giacchino is that he actually gave Doctor Strange a theme 
And um, I think, and that's something that a lot of composers have gone away from in superhero movies is actually not giving the characters a theme. Um, and I, but I, Michael Giacchino definitely gave one for to Doctor Strange. He even did a little bit of one for uh, Spider-Man and Spider-Man Homecoming this year. And overall, I enjoyed that score. So, I mean, and of course, he's he's an Oscar winner. So, I mean, I, I know that Michael Giacchino can get the job done. And as it relates more specifically to superhero films, I think he's done a really good job with two uh, very recent examples uh, with Doctor Strange and, and Spider-Man Homecoming. So if Matt Reeves brings him along for the ride uh, for his Batman films, then I'm going to be pretty happy about that. You guys are, did, did all of you guys see Skyfall recently? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, I saw Skyfall. I haven't seen it recently. Like, I, I don't know if I've seen it since it was in the theater like five years ago. Like Skyfall, when it came out, what, I, what they did magically was they were able to bring the music of every, like almost every James Bond era into, and like with continuing on with the composer's theme. There's like that scene at the, uh, like the middle section where James Bond has like the old 1960s, you know, James Bond car and they're playing that old, like mm -hmm. that's like, kind of like a tribute, like this, when I, people to, like, no, it's got to be Hans Zimmer. No, it's got to be Daniel. Why can't we have it all like they didn't do in Skyfall? Like it works perfect in that film. And no, yeah. like, I just, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm like pulling like, like Kyle said, nostalgia is a hell of a drug. But like, I feel like there's, there's a way to do everything. Like, I was listening to the Justice League score on my way home, um, and I like when I heard the Wonder Woman theme in it, I was like, "Ooh, like that sounds really good." And then I heard another John, I was like, "Ooh, I'm like, I'm just like, it's getting me more and more excited for Justice League going forward." So hopefully, we're kind of getting off track here, which is fine. Like this is where discussion kind of like breeds, you know, interesting conversation. Sure. But I, I don't know. Maybe maybe this will work. Maybe maybe this will be. You know, something that fans will look back on and be like, you know what, this worked. We can do this. You know, maybe in the next Spider-Man movie, you know, Danny, you know, Danny Elfman goes like, I'm gonna do Spider-Man. You know, who knows what's gonna happen? But right, but I think that Danny Elfman is a very serviceable. He he has a long track record of amazing scores, and you know, from the little I've heard of, you know, Justice League, I'm looking forward to it. I mean. Like the Hulk theme from 2003 is his most underrated superhero score of all time. Go listen. That's the most original piece of music I've heard in probably 20 years. If you listen to that, it's so amazing. Do you have any other questions that we can? <laughs> um, yeah. So, like, kind of, uh, kind of continue on with the the whole Justice League discussion that we've been having here. Um, yeah. What What if scenario? Like, what if? Justice League does not perform that the way the fans and the critics are hoping it will. What if it? What if it's not quite what Warner Brothers needs it to be? Like, what do you expect the reaction from the DC fandom and Warner Brothers would be in that case? Um. Well, I mean, DC fandom would probably continue to be as divided and angry as so much of it has been mm -hmm. for the past. I mean, people say a year and a half since Batman v Superman, but a lot of it started brewing with Man of Steel in uh, you know 2013, and the critics were just split on that one. They weren't against Man of Steel as certainly not as firmly as they were BVS and and Suicide Squad. Um, I don't think Justice League. I don't think Justice League is going to be divisive in the way that Batman v Superman and and 
well, really mainly Batman v Superman was because I think Warner Brothers has, for better or for worse, heard the message and they are going to, I think Justice League is going to turn out to be something that's a little more palatable, a little easier for, uh, I should just say something that's a little more crowd pleasing in a, in a broader sense. Um, but if we have some kind of worst case scenario where Justice League flops with critics, it's not going to flop at the box office. I mean, we're not, it's not, we're not looking at a scenario where Justice League is going to make like $400 million at the box office worldwide. Like that's not going to happen. It's still going to, it may not, I do think there's a good chance Justice League doesn't do quite as well as Batman v Superman. And that is, that actually has nothing to do with the quality of Justice League. That has to do with the effect that a movie like Batman v Superman can have on the movie that follows it. I do think even if people really like Justice League, there's the chance that Batman that people who didn't like Batman v Superman will skip Justice League in the theaters, um, and and then maybe maybe they'll go if some if their friend can talk them into it after opening weekend. But there's going to be some people who maybe just wait until they can rent it or until it shows up on HBO or or whatever else to watch it. Then um, that can happen, and again, that has nothing to do with the quality of Justice League. That has to do with what people think of BBS, but. If Justice League is some sort of disappointment across the board with fans, critics, box office wise, um, I think you already know. We already know what Warner Brothers is going to do. We are because they're already doing it. I don't think Warner Brothers is really seriously counting on Justice League to be this grand reversal of fortune for DC films. I think they feel like they kind of already got it with Wonder Woman, and so maybe Justice League could end up feeling like a small step back but i think i think at this point warner brothers is moving on they've already got their new batman director in matt reeves they've already got aquaman is already shot it's in the can they're in post-production on aquaman they're going to go do that and that movie's going to come out next year uh we already know patty jenkins is signed on to go make wonder woman 2 uh we already know we have shazam now because they actually cast that role so we have all this stuff going on um so as far as what's going to happen we already know Warner Brothers is doing ever since Batman v Superman. Warner Brothers is going to try and have a more hopeful superhero universe that gives people a little bit more of the character moments that they're asking for, gives them characters they like, gives them, you know, banter and other things that they want to have in these movies. So Warner Brothers knows what they're what they're going after at this point. And that's what they tried. And that's what they're trying to do with Justice League. Justice League was harder than the rest of it because Justice League was like they were literally having to change course on Justice League while they were making it because Batman v Superman came out and three weeks later they were in production on Justice League. So all this other stuff got made. What well, you know, everything that they like, like Aquaman and then everything they're going to make after this, they're going into it knowing what people want. Um, so that's why Justice League won't really change anything because it's not going to be like put it. The only thing that could actually cause a huge change to what Warner Brothers maybe is thinking they need to do is if Justice League actually is kind of like BVS in terms of the way it tells its story and people love it. <laughs> if, if all of a sudden Warner Brothers goes, wait, you said you hated this a year and a half ago and now you say you love it. So now we got to go back and make more of this. Uh, that's pretty much the only thing, the only thing that I would see if they're going to have to like turn the car back around and go back the other way. Otherwise, they already they already made their change of direction, and they're just going to continue along that path they set for themselves a year and a half ago. We got Flashpoint too, and after this episode, we'll, we'll uh, we, yeah, yeah, yeah. Flashpoint. Okay, I'll I'll put that on there. 
Because I know that's out there, right? In terms of like, there was the rumor of, you know, Warner Brothers is waiting to see what happens with Justice League before Flashpoint. Flashpoint is the one film that I think could possibly not happen in response to Justice League. I do think there's a potential that Flashpoint goes back to being a more traditional Flash solo film rather than a crossover. We'll, we'll talk about this after this episode is in the can and we'll speak privately. But um, what, what's in, you kind of bring up a subject that, you know, we talk about like this kind of shift. How do you grade Jeff Johns, John Berg, post uh, Wonder Woman now? Like, I, don't, I still don't consider Justice League to be, you know, their kind of doing. Yeah. Like, I feel like the post-production of it will have, like, the Jeff Johns, John Bird fingerprints mm -hmm. on and, like, the, the overall, like, pre and, you know, during production won't. Yep. I feel like from Aquaman on will be all their kind of thing. How, mm -hmm. how grade them so far, you know, just based on one, like, obviously Wonder Woman is, you know, such a different film than what we've had from Man of Steel, BDS, yeah. Suicide Squad. Do you, do you grade them favorably? Or you just kind of like wait and see what comes after Justice League? I don't grade them at all yet. And I don't think you really can because even though Wonder Woman was great and obviously Jeff Johns had a, was a huge part of that, you can't really go all... because. But Wonder Woman was shot. I mean, obviously, I'm sure they had reshoots and some additional photography like all these movies do. But Wonder Woman went through pretty much its whole production before the roles changed and Jeff Johns and, and John Berg became the co-heads of DC Films. So you can't really say that, I mean, yes, there was post-production, but they didn't have they, they didn't have a start to finish on that one. Um, and Justice League, kind of the same thing, even though um, even though they they became, they, they got their new positions and their new job titles um, at the beginning of production on Justice League, these movies are so big and have so many moving parts before you even go before you even go and put stuff in front of the camera on the first day. Um, now, obviously, with Justice League, we know there's been reshoots and other things like that. But I still feel like that's not a good project to grade them on because it, it's it's something where the most that they could do is rework something that already had so much done. Like they didn't have a they really didn't start anything with a blank canvas. The even the only one that really and that's why when I think might have even said this on on your show when I was on it last time, but like the, to really feel the impact of what Jeff Johns and John Berg are doing, you have to. I said you know 2017 is not going to be the year where you can really figure out whether or not they're being successful in what they're doing. You got to look at 2018 at the earliest, and that's going to be Aquaman. So they were even though Aquaman obviously there were certain things. I mean the role had been cast and and whatever else. I mean. They were in their jobs for uh, over a year before Aquaman started production. So they were there very early on. So I think it's fair to grade them with Aquaman and everything else that comes uh, that comes after that. But really tough to assign them any sort of grade based on the limited work that they would have been able to do on Wonder Woman and Justice League. So if you were a teacher, you'd give them an eye for incomplete. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. You know? <laughs> I mean, I mean, I guess I could give, you know, and, and the other thing, it like you can't, I can't give them an A when I know Patty Jenkins did so much of the work on Justice Hour, I'm sorry, <laughs> on Wonder Woman. So it's kind of, it's kind of tough. It's, it's surprising that Wonder Woman, you know, worked because there was so much, it's like, that's why I have this like 
guess before we started recording, I was like talking to Kyle. Kyle hasn't seen anything other than that first comic book trailer. So he does, he's going into this thing like fresh. And I'm thinking about doing that for Aquaman, um, like a challenge. I think that'd be interesting. Um, but, you know, like, like there was that negative, like, oh man, that, that person came out and said, oh man, I heard from like people that Wonder Woman's a mess. And then it came out and just everyone like loved it. And it's still like, yeah. it's like, it's like the, our, it's our generation Superman, the movie. That's how I kind of attribute it. It's like, everyone went to see that movie. I mean, my mom, mm-hmm. was, I'm going to go see Wonder Woman. I said, oh, who are you going with? Oh, I'm just going to go see Wonder Woman. What? So, uh. It's just, it's, I'm, I, that is what, you know, ha- for me going forward is like, wow. Uh, and then come up like, you know, Wonder Woman's going to be, you know, popping up in all these, all, all these other films coming up. Mm-hmm. It's really exciting. So yeah, definitely. Let's get some Batman talking. All right, let's do it. Um, so obviously the, the, like, if you were to look at, you know, you know, the writing on the walls, if they say, you know, even with, you know, you know, what we've seen of the press, it kind of looks, feels, sounds like, you know, this might in fact be Ben Affleck's last time be on the Cape and the Cow. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as sad as, you know, that is for us as fans of Batman, uh, how would you... Okay, I'll just say this. Do you think this is, you know, as someone like sits back and kind of looks at things? Because I'm like just watching his, you know, kind of going through. It almost feels like he's going through the motions. Mm-hmm. He's unenthusiastic about the press tour compared yep. to the sports. You know, I remember BBS and he's like at this NBA All Star game. He's like, I'm really proud of this movie. I'm really excited for it. But like this one, he's more kind of like going through the motions, answering questions. And there was a quote from the other day saying, like one of the you know journalists asked you know do you see yourself being batman for like five times like well you know it just i've already done this for i've already done three movies of this if you include suicide squad and you know it just seems unenthused do you think this has been Affleck's last time justice league putting out the cape and the collar or do you think that he will actually come back for matt reeves the batman Oh, I think he's done, and I've thought that for many, many months. Um, I've thought that Ben was done. I, I thought that Ben wanted out the minute we saw that sad fleck interview from Batman v Superman. Um, I, when I saw the look on his face, I mean, everybody kind of laughs at it and became a meme and everything. But I thought that that was kind of it for Ben Affleck as as Batman. I, I definitely didn't think he was going to end up directing, and and I wasn't really saying a whole lot about it because it was really just my own speculation um although i probably got emails and text messages with uh, mark hughes from forbes who's been on your show before my co-host on superhero news uh, of me kind of saying ah, i don't know about this and um and then when i did a batman news podcast when of course he officially said he wasn't directing anymore i said at the time that i didn't my expectation is that he would know he would not play batman uh anymore either and uh and i and i believe that and i believe that Ben and Warner Brothers have kind of known this for at least a little while, at least a few months, um, and they are just waiting for Justice League to kind of come out and settle down. They don't want to have this negative press of Ben Affleck is walking away as Batman uh, because then the perception is going to be he's walk- he's walking away because uh, because it hasn't been successful, and they don't want to have any of that negativity associated with 
Justice League ahead of time. So I think they've really tried to hang on to this, hang on to this for as long as they can. I think you could really tell, um, you know, where it really started coming out for me as as this is what was going to happen was was Comic Con uh, this year. Because even though Chris Hardwick asked Ben, you know, hey, there were stories that you weren't going to be Batman. And, and of course, Ben said how lucky he was to play the role. And, and uh, you know, he'd get on the ground and play an ape for Matt Reeves and all this stuff. There was that. But I just know that's a bit of showmanship for an audience of 6,500 people in Hall H. But then if you look at some of the quotes in the, the days or in, in weeks that followed, there were different points where I think, I don't remember if it was Hollywood Reporter or somewhere else where... There were just different quotes from both Ben and Warner Brothers of, and maybe it might it might have been Entertainment Weekly. I can't remember where, but there was one quote from Ben, and I'll just you know paraphrase where he just basically said that he's happy to do it for as long as Warner Brothers will have him. And Warner Brothers was saying, and then somebody from Warner Brothers had said in another article, "Well, we're happy to have Ben do it as long as he wants to do it." Well, if everybody wants the same thing, why isn't it done? You know, and why don't why don't we have an official announcement that Ben Affleck is going to star? Uh, for Matt Reeves in these Batman movies. And that's because it's not going to happen. I think at the very most, Ben would have been up for maybe doing one more movie. And that just doesn't work when you have Matt Reeves coming in and already talking. I mean, Matt Reeves hasn't made a single Batman movie yet. And he's already publicly talked about, you know, of course, focusing on one movie first, but also publicly talking about his ambition to, in about, you know, and the possibility, of course, of him making multiple Batman movies. So you wouldn't do that with a brand new director who's got his sights set on probably two or more likely three Batman movies. You wouldn't saddle him up with a guy who only wants to be Batman one time for him or is wants to be Batman one time and then, oh, we'll see how it goes. It's like, no, you want a guy who's going to come in here and say, I'm in it for the long haul for, with you, Matt Reeves. That's what you need. Um, and that's why that's kind of what I've told people in terms of, of or cautioned fans and on, on getting upset about it it's a better to me I, I like ben as batman so I, it's not that i want him to go away this is not something where i you know it's not any wishful thinking for me that ben doesn't play the role but what i do want is since we are since this is where we are matt reeves is coming in to direct the next iteration of batman on screen so i want matt reeves to have it locked in of who his batman is going to be for that whole ride so if Ben's going to go ahead and sign up for three movies with Matt Reeves, great. Then let's go ahead and let's stick with Ben. If Ben doesn't want to do that, he only wants to do one movie, uh, then no, let's go ahead and let Ben go now and let's let Matt Reeves start with a brand new Batman and get, and uh, go from there instead of having to change who his Batman is from the first film to the second. That, to me, is a much worse scenario uh, than, you know, obviously the in a ideal scenario where we get everything we want sure ben affleck for three movies with matt reeves but if that's not on the table then i'd rather have three films with matt reeves and a new batman than one film with ben and matt reeves and then two films with matt reeves and another guy do you do you think that if bvs would have came out to favorable reviews then he would that ben affleck would be the robert downey jr of the dceu or do you think that there's just a number of things you know obviously ben has like personal issues he's working through sure. doesn't sound like it doesn't sound like he had a lot of fun on these films because it takes a lot of time he wants to do other mm -hmm. things you think it's a combination of those things or if, if bbs came out was critically a claim like they all thought it would yeah. be made a billion dollars he'd be he'd be you know attached 
three movies Matt Reeves? I think it's really tough. Um, there's a part of me that does think that because I do believe that the reception of Batman v Superman definitely had an impact on Ben's enthusiasm for playing the role. Um, I, I totally believe that. Um, but at the same time, it's hard to completely dismiss the you know the personal stuff that he's had going on during his time as as Batman. Um, and it's also, you know, it's interesting you bring up Robert Downey Jr. As superheroes go, I don't want to take anything away from him because he's a great actor. He's super talented. But as actors go, he's got the easiest time of anybody playing a superhero. <laughs> That's what I mean. <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. can show up. I mean, because... Iron Man is CG. They, they just shoot when he's in the suit. They just shoot his face. Um, and that's it. Like, he doesn't really have to put a suit on. Very rarely will he actually put on. He's like the Iron Man armor. There, It's never been practical legs for the Iron Man armor. That's always digital. The most he wears is basically like a football player with shoulder pads. They put on the chest piece, the shoulders, and a little bit of the arms. And that's the most that he has to do. Um, and just in terms of like dealing with the practical application of uh, a superhero costume batman is by far the worst batman is a it's a terrible costume we know this because every actor who's ever played batman has complained about the costume um and so i think that i mean i'm sure there are there might be a few others out there that are comparable but we know that if playing batman isn't the worst then it's uh, and i don't when i say worst i mean only about your comfort your physical comfort when it when you're wearing the suit uh, ben F or Batman is the most uncomfortable role that you can play. Um, and so I there is a part of me that thinks even if even if BBS had done well, but just but here's I don't think it would have necessarily set up Ben Affleck doing three movies with Matt Reeves. I do think that if BBS had been done well, that the best case scenario from there would not would because remember what the plan was. The plan was, BBS, JL1, JL2. So I think Ben Affleck would have done all of those if if BBS had been as well-liked as everybody wanted it to be, if it had gotten the reception that Warner Brothers and Ben and, and everybody else, and Zach and everybody else associated with it were going for, then they would have carried out that plan of JL1 and JL2. Because I actually don't even think his solo Batman movie was supposed to happen originally until after Justice League 2. So if that would have given Ben more time before he would have even been asked to worry about directing a Batman movie. So maybe he would have, maybe he wouldn't have directed and starred in a solo Batman movie. Um, but I do think at the very least, if BVS had been successful, we would have seen Ben in a Justice League sequel as opposed to being done potentially with just uh, Justice League right now. So as it sits, you mm -hmm. think, I think, I feel like, you know, 50% of fandom kind of has this overwhelming feeling like this is going to be it for Ben Affleck. I think Kyle kind of feels the same way as well, right, Kyle? Are you still there? Yeah, pr pretty much like as every day goes by, the possibility of him remaining seems to get slimmer and slimmer. No, I think I'm, I'd be shocked at this point if we were to find out that Ben is, is still Batman. I, I think the way it's going to probably play out is um justice league will come out it will do its thing um and then maybe the announcement gets dumped at the end of the year although typically hollywood goes dead in december everybody's on vacation for the most part um and then people start back up in the beginning of the year so i think by 
within the first couple months of 2018, we'll know for sure that Ben is is not doing it, and that will probably followed by be followed soon after by an announcement of who will play Batman for Matt Reeves. Um, and I would and I think we'll get all of that within the first two to three months of 2018. At the very latest, I would expect that we would meet our new Batman at San Diego Comic-Con 2018. But I think it'll be, I actually think it'll be months before that. But that would be like the drop-dead date of the latest I would expect. I think we'll get, instead of there being a, maybe maybe Warner Brothers plays it a little differently and says, you know, instead of doing a big announcement that Apple is not doing Batman anymore, they just announced Jake Gyllenhaal is doing Batman and Matt Reeves. Well, you have to, because there, there's gonna, you're gonna have to do some announcement of Ben being done playing Batman because you have to spin it as a positive thing. You don't want to spin it as, uh, you don't want to spin it unless JL just gets completely trashed. But I don't think it's going to unless Justice League is gets a reception that is basically what Batman v Superman got. I think you want to make this seem like a mutual happy part, you know, parting of ways is what that's what you want it to look like. So that's why you would have Ben release a statement, you know, you would release a joint statement just like they did when he wasn't going to direct anymore saying of Ben saying how much he's appreciated the opportunity to do the role and he just can't commit to as many, you know, and is very excited about this new vision for Matt Reeves, but know that, you know, that it's, you know, involves more than he can commit to at this time or whatever reason they want to make up. And Warner Brothers in the same article will have somebody, whether that's, Kevin Sujihara, the CEO, or Jeff Johns from DC Films, or John Berg, or Toby Emmerich. So one of those guys is going to say how much they've appreciated having Ben in the role and how they, you know, wish him all the best in his future endeavors, blah, blah, blah. And then, so you have that announcement, let a little bit of time go by, and then you announce the, you know, you announce the new Batman. Or maybe you put that all in one announcement. I don't know, but that seems a little, seems a little weird. I I would space them out just a bit. Um, what what's his legacy? Like clearly, you haven't seen Justice League yet, so obviously you can't be like, well, you know, we have like these yeah film, uh, well, two and a half films because he really is only mm-hmm. Suicide Squad, you know, maybe like five minutes old. What's his legacy as Batman? How does he? Where does he rank for you? Or can he even put a rank? Because obviously, I feel like Christian Bale is going to be number one for you. Where, yep. where does he kind of like sit? Um, it's kind of hard because I, I definitely right now have Bale and Keaton ahead of him in my bat rankings. Uh, but that's mainly because bat, Ben Affleck hasn't been Batman in a movie that I liked yet. Um, so maybe Justice League changes that and it allows him to kind of elevate in, in the rankings. Um, but right now I still have, uh, I've got Bale and, and Keaton ahead of him, but I don't like, I mean, rankings or whatever, everybody's got their favorite Batman, you know, for some people like you're never going to top Kevin Conroy. They don't even care about the live action Batman actors. Um, and of course, Kevin Conroy is great. I just don't usually include him in the rankings. Cause I, you know, well, if I was to include voice actors with the whole list, then it becomes a completely different conversation. But if I focus directly on live action actors, Everybody's going to have their their favorite Batman. There are some people that no matter how you know, no matter what happened with Bale, Keaton's still their Batman. And you know, and for some people, no matter what happens, Bale's going to still be their Batman. And and on down the line. And, and for another group of fans, that's going to be Ben Affleck. So uh, Ben Affleck's legacy, it's going to be it's going to be up to each individual person because I think everybody's going to have their own ranking for him. But in a more collective way. 
I think Ben Affleck's Batman might go down as something of a missed opportunity um, because most people seem to agree, even if they don't necessarily like the way the character is written, um, they do like Ben in the role. They do think that Ben is capable, even if they haven't necessarily enjoyed every creative choice that was made with Bruce Wayne and Batman in BVS, they still liked Ben in the role. Um, and I think they'll probably still feel that way. I mean, they felt that way also in his very brief appearance in Suicide Squad. And I think they'll feel that way again with Justice League. So I think that's why it'll go down as a bit of a, a bittersweet kind of missed opportunity in that everybody saw that this guy, you know, can, this guy is a really, really good Batman. They just never got to see him do it in a movie that delivered on the level or i mean obviously a lot of fans feel bvs delivered and they'll feel justice league delivered but you know in a, in a more in a broader sense it's just never going to feel like it quite got maybe that he ever got quite the acclaim he deserved or maybe never got quite maybe, maybe never quite got the film that he deserved because we i mean it, it already is a missed opportunity because i remember in august 2013 when ben was announced as as batman the first thought that went through my head was Ben Affleck's going to direct a Batman movie. And Ben at the time was my top choice to direct a Batman movie. So, you know, the, just the, the fact that that didn't happen is already, already feels like a missed opportunity. But the fact that we never got to see, you know, if this goes, if it, if it goes the way that I, I think it's going to go, that we never got to see him in a solo Batman movie. And, you know, a, a lot of the time that he was spent, that he spent as Batman, it was, there was tons of controversy and divisiveness between fans and critics and, and everybody across the board. So I think it just, I, I don't know that the legacy of it is going to be as universally positive as, you know, you probably, probably like it to be. So that's why I say missed opportunity. Ben's love, the Batman that we deserve, but not the Batman film that <laughs> we did right now or something like that. I don't know. I'm trying to spin yeah, that. Something um, like that. He, like he kind of, it's kind of like the Timothy Dalton in Bond, like really, really good Bond, but the movies were, or another way I kind of look at it as I was having a conversation with someone at work is like, you remember Randy Moscow and the Patriots and everyone's like, man, they're just going to win everything. And they never want to ring. It's kind of how yeah, it was. Yeah. Like it's, it's that, or, you know, it's also, uh, you know, could be, I mean, granted he was, he appeared in more films, so it won't be quite as brief, but I almost think of it as uh, maybe Edward Norton's Bruce Banner slash Hulk. I mean, yeah. because there's nothing, there's nothing really all that wrong with the Incredible Hulk. I think it's a solid, it's a solid movie. And and more importantly, though, I think Edward Norton was a good Bruce Banner slash Hulk. Um, but that era, you know, his time as the Hulk kind of we, we moved on so quickly because it moved on to, of course, Mark Ruffalo, who came in and did a great job. And so that's what, and was doing was playing the role in in much more successful films. And so that's where. You know, that's where I think the Ben Affleck era can kind of be forgotten, especially when I know it's it's weird because we've been thinking about Ben as Batman for the past four years. But for most people, he's been Batman for a year and a half. You know, it's going to be it's March 2016 to November 2017. I mean, that's not I mean, I know it's a little more than a year and a half, but still like it's it's really not that long that Ben will have been in the role, even though it's multiple films. Dan and Sean, I never even thought of that. Now, mm-hmm. now I'm depressed. Now it's like when I send, you know, pictures of, you know, Bell Comer's cow wobbling it to Mark Hughes all the time. Just 
Sad. <laughs> I don't know if he's ever told you that, but he had ne- he told me he's like I could never watch Batman Forever again because of. <laughs> well, that's a lie because Mark can definitely watch. Mark Hanna does watch Batman Forever again. Well, you can't see that. It's like you can't. Well, yeah, you can't not see that. But yeah. <laughs> yep. Um. But yeah, like man, I never thought of it like that. He's only been Batman for. Damn. That's terrible. Like what? A, you're right, Sean. What a missed opportunity. What? What that could that? What that could have been? What you know? It's like Richard Downer. What could have those? What those Superman movies could have been? You know mm-hmm. what? What these? I mean, it's too bad. It's it's unfortunate. So, this point, it is what it is. Sounds like yeah. they equally want to just kind of part ways. And you know, yeah. do you think this affects future roles for him or future projects? Because he's kind of walking away. Well, I I think there's other stuff that affects Ben, you know, professionally. I mean, we I mean, obviously there were, you know, the big subject of of accusations of of sexual harassment and assault right now. And and some of that came back. You know, there were people who accused Ben Affleck of doing of harassing or, or groping people. And and that's the kind you know, there there is that, although for even though a lot of those things have stuck with a lot of other guys, it doesn't seem to be sticking that doesn't seem to be sticking too much to Ben Affleck. A lot of people have already kind of forgotten about that from a couple weeks ago, but I think you factor that, you know, stuff like that I think is going to impact pretty much anybody who's done that or been accused of that is going to have, that's going to be issues. Um, But I think this, but I don't want to make it, I don't want to make it sound like that's going to be what made Ben not be Batman anymore. Cause I think the decision was made before any of that kind of, any of that kind of stuff came to light. Um, the way I, if I had to guess how it went down, I think initially when Ben didn't want to direct anymore, um, he probably knew he didn't want to act anymore and he didn't want to play the role anymore either. And Warner Brothers probably knew that, but they probably just kind of told Ben to hold off and not make any decisions because I think at that point Warner Brothers still wanted Ben, um, but just told Ben, let's not make any decisions till we hire a new director and then we'll see what we'll see what you're interested in once we get somebody new in and they get a chance to sink their teeth into it. And then, of course, Matt Reeves was hired, but that was a few months before he could even really work on it because he was finishing War for the Planet of the Apes. Um, but I think over the past few months, you know, around probably around the time, you know, Comic-Con and that report came out the day before the Warner Brothers Hall H panel, probably around that time is when, you know, the feeling probably started to be a little more mutual because Warner Brothers maybe maybe was a little tired of of having to worry about what Ben did or didn't want to do. And at the same time, you know, Matt Reeves probably at the same time was thinking, Hey, like I've, I'm ready to go and start putting forth ideas now, but I got to know who my Batman's going to be. And I'm ready to move forward. I'm ready to move forward with somebody who's really going to commit to this. So that's probably where it all became mutual, but I don't know that Ben Affleck is necessarily going to be, you know, he's still one of the most prominent actors and, and filmmakers in Hollywood. I know live by night didn't do well. And, and I didn't particularly enjoy the film. I thought it was a far cry from the other stuff he'd done like gone baby gone and, and the town and, and Argo. So I didn't, I definitely didn't think it was Ben's best work uh, as a director, but I still think people want to work with Ben Affleck. He's got stuff lined up, not all of it at Warner brothers anymore. Cause for a while he was just all Warner brothers, but um, so even if even if there's been some negative impact to Ben Affleck's relationship with Warner, uh, he's still going to be fine because there's going to be plenty of other studios that want to work with him. Let's start wrapping this up. Kyle, do you have any more questions? I'm going to ask Sean one or two more questions and kind of call it a, 
call it an evening. Yeah, I do have uh, one more quick question here, and it's about the the yep. marketing for Justice League so far. Uh, obviously, I've not been paying attention to it whatsoever. Uh, I'm just curious to see how how do you think they've been doing with the marketing so far, as opposed to how they've done in the past of like BVS and Suicide Squad. Because uh, as someone that's been trying to avoid all this marketing, mm-hmm. it's been surprisingly easy for me. So I don't know if I'm just lucky or if maybe they're not pushing as hard yet. I mean, there's still like another week or so before the movie comes out for the public. But I'm just, I'm yeah. just kind of curious to see where you you are with that. I'm my hat's off to you and being able to stay away from it, because actually <laughs> the Justice League marketing for the past few weeks has been everywhere. Um, but that's also because, I mean, I literally follow every DC related social media account on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. So like I can't, you know, I'm inundated with Justice League material all day long. Um, so it doesn't uh, it, it doesn't. You know, I definitely don't think that they've been low key about it. I don't think they've been hiding the movie or anything like that. I think the marketing has been pretty much up to par with what what is basically normal now for a a blockbuster superhero movie of this kind is to have a very aggressive digital marketing campaign and justice league has had that i mean they did it they had their wonder you know wonder woman week cyborg week aquaman week i mean every hero's had their own week and that's and that's come with different releases there's been motion posters all this kinds of stuff um and you know there's been uh, a few trailers so it's been basically what I would have expected it to be just in terms of the volume of the marketing and in terms of the quality of it. I think the trailers have actually been pretty good. I mean, I, I don't think there's, you know, I know they haven't necessarily set the world on fire for everybody out there, but I think if you're, if you step outside of the debates that film critics have and, and also very hardcore fans have, I think if you just look at the Justice League marketing material that's out there from a more mainstream moviegoer perspective, and those are people who all this stuff that Warner Brothers spends so much money on, they you know this is just so an average moviegoer will see some of that, and I think that the movie is being marketed as a, a big fun entertaining action-packed superhero team-up blockbuster which probably is the best way to market a justice league movie and i don't even say that as that's the best way to market justice league um in the wake of batman v superman that's the way you should have been marketing justice league pretty much no matter what so i think the marketing campaign so far for justice league has been about what i would expect and about and pretty much what it's making the promises that you should be making to a general audience with a movie like this and then it just comes down to whether or not the movie delivers on the promises that it's making to audiences right now what's great about this is like i agree with sean 100 is that something that no one's really been talking about is the chris nolan version of marketing these films is over so you kind of got that with you, you got that with man of steel how they market yeah. the film you got a little bit of that with BDS. I'm a huge, I have huge issues still with the marketing of that. We've talked about that so many times. There's no, but the Nolan way of we're just going to give you a little bit of this and that. When we're going to show, when we're ready to show you stuff, that's when we're going to do. Yeah. It's just been an onslaught, and that's what I think that's been lacking. You know, we we definitely got you know good marketing for Wonder Woman. BDS, they didn't know what they were doing. Is this uh, 
is this a film about Batman versus Superman? Is this a film about them fighting, teaming up and fighting villains? Is this a movie about, yeah. you know, you know, them fighting Doomsday or Lex Luthor? They didn't know how to market that film. With Justice League, though, it seems like, okay, this is how we're supposed to do it. This is, yep. you know, and, like, they were ca- so caught up with, you know, I feel like they're so caught up with the Nolan way of, like, we're just going to show you little things here or there, but we're not going to give you a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Not going to show up at Comic Con. We're not going to do this. We're not going to do that. No, we're leading with the movie. We're not going to have toys. You know, but this, on the other hand, it's like throw lunch boxes out there. Do this. Do that. Yeah. Have Zack Snyder tweet like behind the scenes pictures on Barrow. Like every which way you go, they have marketed this movie pretty successfully. Mm hmm. Um, well, so, I mean, we'll know we'll know for sure whether or not the marketing was successful based on a little bit of the opening weekend. But um, but yeah, I mean, there's no there's no doubt that I, I think everybody who pays any attention at all to movies is aware that there's a Justice League movie coming out um, and they're and they know and I I think they know what they're in for based on based on this marketing campaign, or at least they should, because that's the other thing. It's the only thing you don't want is to market your movie one way and then it's a completely different thing because that will make that is one thing that will get an audience to to turn on you very, very quickly is if you're not delivering what they're selling. But you also make a great point. I mean, we're not doing the mystery box kind of J.J. Abrams slash Christopher Nolan type of marketing, which I don't want to and I don't mean to bash that because it, that works in very specific instances. In fact, it works great for Star Wars right now because they're they still do it that way. Uh, Disney does with Star Wars right now because there's still a lot of mystery around where they're at in the story with Star Wars. There's not a lot of mystery to Justice League. <laughs> it's it's big time DC heroes coming together to fight some villain and save the world. So like that's that's what it is. It's not we're not wondering even even the biggest spoiler in Justice League is something we all already know. We already know that Superman's going to come back to life in Justice League. That's just going to happen. We all know it. Um, that's why Henry Cavill is at the freaking press conference for <laughs> Justice League uh, and just making jokes about how he was visiting the set because he's not in the movie. Everybody already knows that. So, yeah, there's not a whole lot of mystery to this. People just want to know that they're going to have a good time watching the justice league go out and kick ass together and that's what that's what they're that's what warner brothers is selling so i definitely think they've taken they've taken as good of an approach as they can to marketing this film and and hopefully it works i mean we'll i'm i'm sure it'll pay off with a a nice opening weekend it's just a matter of you know just a matter of how nice um so something that we kind of always do with sean um when we have him on is we fan cast you know, a big portion of tonight's episode, we talked about, you know, potential Ben Affleck leaving. So let's fan cast. Let's say that, you know, the day after, like, worst case scenario, Dan mm-hmm. League opens up. Ben Affleck says, want to think there's a big announcement, blah, 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 blah. He's like, I'm done being Batman. I just want yeah. to go permit. For, I live in, you know, Australia for the next 10 years and do other <laughs> things. You know, pull a Daniel Day-Lewis and, you know, make shoes or whatever. You know, who knows what he wants to do. Um, but who, if, let's say for, for a fact that, or uh, our fan cast, that mm-hmm. after it's done, yep. you know, we'll do a round table like we always do. Who would you like to see in the role as Bruce Wayne, AKA Batman in the Matt Reeves version of Batman? 
Um, well, I'm pretty sure I know. I won't take an answer that I know other people are going to say. So, <laughs> um, I my actually my top choice for the role for about a year or so now, maybe a little more than that, has actually been Dan Stevens, um, who currently stars in Legion on FX, but he's also in, been in movies. He was in The Guest uh, a couple years ago. That's a really good movie. You should check that out if you have not. Um, he was he was also the Beast in Beauty and the Beast this year, which obviously is not going to make a bunch of people jump up for joy about him being Batman. Um, but I think the guy's a really great actor. Um, he's got, I think he's, I was actually really surprised that he took Legion, um, not because the show's not interesting, that the show's great and he's great in it, but this is a guy who I just think is destined for a major franchise type of role, most likely a comic book movie, because that's where most of the big franchises come from right now. Um, and I think he would be, I think he'd be great in, in any number of roles, but I particularly think he would be great. Uh, he'd be great as Batman. He'd also make a great Joker. Um, but I think that's a pretty good quality in a Batman. Cause I think Christian Bale would have made a hell of a Joker and still could, by the way, um, in like my ultimate fantasy of fantasies, it's, the way this plays out is Dan Stevens takes over as Batman, Christian Bale as the Joker in the new franchise, and then when Dan Stevens retires as Batman, eventually he comes back as the Joker and plays Joker against the new Batman. But that's just my stupid fantasy that'll never happen. Um, but yeah, Dan Stevens right now tops my list. Uh, and, and also because I just I do like that he's not the most obvious choice, and I feel like that I feel like that can that can work out very well, especially when in superhero roles. We've seen that a time or two. Kyle, go for it. Um, my meme answer would have to be John Hamm, of course. Of course. Yep. Of course. Uh, but a more serious answer and something that I think might be kind of interesting, although I don't know how on board people would be with it, but uh the idea came to me of Scott Adkins. Mm. I think he could uh, potentially pull the role off. I don't know who that is. Who is that? Uh, have you ever seen the the Brothers Grimsby? No, I haven't. Hmm. Well, I mean, so go watch. That. <laughs> that, that's that's my answer. Okay, interesting. I have two, and it's not John. Hamm. As much as I would love John Hamm to be Batman, I've been saying mm -hmm. it. If it, if, it, if John Hamm was Batman, I'd like. Like, I don't know what I would do. I got already got my outfit that I always wanted. And Jeremy Irons, I, I know I can't, you know, win the lottery two times. <laughs> um, um, as much as I would, I, I just don't see him, you know, being, I mean, maybe he could pull it off. I think he's like in his mid-40s at this point in his life. I just, I kind of see like the classic Batman story at this point where, you know, he's like in his mid-30s. He's been doing right. it for years. I just don't think that maybe he could. I don't know. We'll see. But right now, there's two. One's an up-and-coming. You know, we've already kind of seen him in DC film. The other one's kind of like, after, you know, seeing him uh, recently is Jake Gyllenhaal. I think that he is the guy. He can lead as Bruce Wayne. I feel like he's got the chops, the acting chops, mm -hmm. the looks. He's not as tall as I like him to be. I think he's like 5'11". But he could definitely play the brooding Kate Crusader for sure. He's been up for a bunch of these roles before. Um, uh, he was up for Spider-Man after you know, he was Spider-Man for like five minutes when they thought <laughs> Toby wasn't going to be able to come back in uh, for Spider-Man yeah. Two. He has no connections with any of these films. I just I don't know for some reason I ever think of like okay who could take 
Because you have to have, I don't, I don't think you can sell a Batman movie without someone. I don't think you can pull a Christian Bale, you know, like, a lot of people didn't know who Christian Bale was, you know, a lot of people didn't know who Michael Keaton was. I don't think, I think you need someone who has, you know, who's been around for 15 years, who's kind of, you know, done his, I mean, there was a Jake Gyllenhaal movie that came out like a year or two ago where he's kind of, like the, where he, everyone says he'd be great as the Joker, but I just think that he'd be just really good as the Batman. The other one is Scott Eastwood. I think that Scott Eastwood could play an interesting, I don't know, I just was watching a film with him the other night, and I was like, you know, he's kind of got this, like, I don't know, it's because he looks so much like Clint, like he could play like the young Clint Eastwood Batman, I don't know, I, just, I was like, ugh, there's something weird about it, something's bizarre, I don't know, but those are, like, obviously those are my two. For now, um, I love I I'll, I'll let go of Scott Eastwood, but I <laughs> I I love Jake Gyllenhaal. He was he, he's probably number two for me, right behind Dan Stevens. Or it's really more like one A and one B, kind of a, a take your pick type of thing for uh, for Matt Reeves, and he is going to take his pick because it's his jo- it's his job to figure out who's going to be Batman, not mine. Um, but uh, I think that. Uh, I think Jake Gyllenhaal would be a, a terrific choice to play Batman. I, I, I absolutely believe that if there is, it might be too early for a short list to exist um, for a new Batman. But then again, according to the Hollywood Reporter from back towards Comic-Con, maybe not. Maybe there is a little bit of a, a short list for in the event that Ben Affleck is not going to be Batman anymore, who are the guys that we would want to reach out to first? And and I'll bet that Jake Gyllenhaal is one of, if not the very first actor who gets a call uh, to see if he would be interested. So I wouldn't be shocked at all if we found out uh, early next year that Jake Gyllenhaal was, was the new Batman because he would have to be one of the favorites. Um, it would certainly come to him, to, and he would probably, if it, if he doesn't end up getting the role, it's probably because he said no. Because I, I have to think that he would be one of the first people to get an uh, to to at least I don't know if it would go all the way to getting an offer, but at least have you know studios doing what they do and talking to agents and and trying to move forward and see if they can get some sort of deal. I'm sure Jake Gyllenhaal would be one of the the first people they go after, um, and and for good reason. The guy is a phenomenal actor, and I, I think everybody all. Everybody always knew that, but I think we've seen him take his game to a completely new level uh, the past few years with with Nightcrawler. I mean, we just the guy is just on fire, um, and everybody really wants to work with him. So it yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Matt Reeves would be really excited about the prospect of getting Jake Gyllenhaal to play uh, to play Batman for him. And I and I know uh, the the few times that I you know that. I've spoken or with fans or anybody else when I when Jake Gyllenhaal comes up, people think that because of the run of movies he's on more recently that like he won't he wouldn't want to do a superhero blockbuster. And I'd be like, yeah, but he did Prince of Persia. So like the guy is I know that was a long time ago, but I think he is open to being part of a big franchise, especially if he knows that it's not going to end up like Prince of Persia, like, and Batman is the one, I mean, Batman is the franchise that, you know, you have license to do really great stuff in it, because you can see that performance by Christian Bale and such universally acclaimed films, especially Batman begins and the dark Knight. 
you know, that's that's attractive to an actor. And I think that is something that would weigh very heavily on the mind of Jake Gyllenhaal or anybody else who might be uh, up for the role. So I think Gyllenhaal is great fan casting. And and I'm, I'm sure that's I think that's more than fan casting. I think that's a guy with a legitimate shot uh, at getting the role. Nightcrawler is like that's the one I was talking about. I just can't remember the name of it. That's his American Psycho. Like that, yeah. that's Christian Bale was when when people saw American Psycho, like ooh, this actually like he could actually play Bruce Wayne, like mm-hmm. like the raised Bruce Wayne, and then look then one like that's what Nightcrawler is for me. Like seeing that film, I was like, like yeah, he'd make a great Joker, but goddamn, he'd make a great fucking batman he yep. has it right now he's 34 35 he's at the right age if if that didn't happen i would be real like i like what you said sean is he would have to turn it down i don't see him doing that i just don't i think that he there's been a few times where, where people have asked him would you play batman i remember seeing a howard stern i think jimmy kimmel or jimmy fallon or conan o'brien asked he's always got like wonky answers of how he would play batman mm. i just think because it's never been like a serious thing because other people have other people have you know uh you know their own batman in their heads and you know right i always thought like his answers were wonky but i think that he's game for it i feel like i feel like at least no matter at the end of the day i think one of the camps either at matt reeves or jake Hall reaches out to one other, like, hey, hey, look, I'm interested in the role. He can put on the muscle. We saw it in Southpaw. He can put on the muscle. Oh yeah. He can. He can. He's like a chameleon. He he isn't. He isn't like a huge star. Like we know who he is, but he's not like, you know, like Arnold Schwarzenegger was. Like we could never see our Sylvester Stallone or you know right. those guys when you know thinking of those kind of films. I don't know. There's something about him right now that. I could see him do it. He's got the crazy. I remember, you know, watching behind the scenes of Tim Burton and Chris, Christopher Nolan's films. He's got that look in his eyes, that crazed look in his eyes. If you look at him, there's something going on behind those eyes. And what's also interesting, I think, is I think he's a fearless actor. I feel like he is one of the few people that would not be afraid to go up against Michael Keaton, Christian Bale, Val Kilmer, mm-hmm. and Ben Affleck. And they can they can say he can he can fill up that role, and he, you know you know th- if they if they do three movies I'd be he would be perfect he'd be you know he'd be he's the I don't know there's something there there's like when I was talking to Cal like this is the same kind of thing I'm saying about you know he's done this he's done that like I don't know there's just when I think of Batman going forward you know mm-hmm. obviously I end up be the guy but it just I just don't think that's going to happen, but I'm excited about Jake Gyllenhaal. Like, you know, like my, it's like, it's like you break up with a girl and you're like, Ooh, who is this person? Like you're <laughs> over that yeah. break of, you know, the, the rebounder, like the new girl, the potential of a new girlfriend. So yeah. I don't know. Like that's kind of like, you know, going to kind of off the deep end with that one, but didn't want to have anyone else that would like to, you know, Sean, you said Dan Stevens. Yeah. Uh, um, how you said Scott Atkins? Was there any other actors that pop up? No, I mean for me, no. I, it's Dan Stevens and Jake Gyllenhaal are kind of the only two that just by the 
by the sheer mention of their name, like I get excited about them as as Batman. Um, they're the ones that they're they're the ones that I've that have really stood out to me as I've watched their movies over the past few years. And like you said, I mean, what you observed with Jake Gyllenhaal and what he's got going on behind those eyes, and and Dan Stevens too. Like they're I just like there's a presence that each of them have that and, and but that's also that also points to why I'm not. You know, I've never been that freaked out about the possibility of Ben, you know, not playing Batman anymore because I believe that there are a lot of talented actors out there and multiple actors who can still go out and play Batman and do a great job with it. So I'm not, I'm not going to try and suggest that these are the only two um, that I consider to be candidate or the, the only two that warner brothers should look at is the, these are just the those are just the two that right now excite me the most um but i'm sure if you know i'm sure if we end up hearing about an actual short list and some more names on it I, i'm sure i could see the potential for other actors as well but it's just these two for me right now and then if i if for some reason they end up getting crossed off the list then i'll start thinking more about other possibilities but for right now i'll stick with these guys there is a photo I posted a couple months ago on Twitter where it's Jake Gyllenhaal in Southpaw with his hair shaved and Bruce Wayne from Zero Year with his head shaved too. They look yeah. exactly the same. It's mm-hmm. like the same fucking thing. It's like, it's like, holy shit. So I just, like Jake Gyllenhaal right now is the guy. If they, like, if I can win the lottery twice in my life, get who I want in these roles. <laughs> But does that I posted on Twitter the other night? I was like, does that mean we get a new Alfred too? Like, where does this? Are we going to get a new commissioner? Like, I don't. It's, it'll be interesting to see. You know, the Batman. You know, are are they going to go after the same kind of people that you know have already been you know populated in Gotham City already, or do they recast the roles? Like, I don't know. It'll be interesting. I think you could. I, I think you could because, or I, I think you could keep the same people. I'm not saying you have to, but I think you could. Um, I know. Everybody's had the same thing of like, oh, well, if it's not Ben, then they have to do some sort of reboot. It's like, no, they don't. Just mm-hmm. the new actor's Batman, and that's it. I feel um, like you could it, uh, you could actually somehow tie it into Flashpoint as a way to explain the recast, almost. You could, but you, could, but you don't even have to do that. Like, I think, you know, it's sure there's a way of doing it, but I, I think recast, I think you, I think that's just a, a move that you... That, that is like overthinking it in the sense of like just recast and keep going like audiences really don't care they don't as much as we fuss over this stuff and, and everything general audiences they just don't care like jake gyllenhaal's batman now okay great like 20 years ago nobody asked the question of why batman looks different in batman forever compared to batman returns it's just okay val kilmer's batman now um you know and and I was, look, I was there in 1995, okay? Like, as much as people want to complain about Batman Forever at now, and for, but in 1995, people liked Batman Forever, and they didn't have beef with the fact that it was a different Batman. Um, they really didn't. Granted, there wasn't really that much of an internet back then, and there definitely wasn't social media. Uh, but, but people didn't really care that much. And, and I think, but I, and I think that would hold true today. I think if you have, Another great actor, especially if it's Jake Gyllenhaal, who pretty much the entire world agrees is a great actor. If he's coming and he's Batman now, then it's fine. And you don't have to pretend that this has, 
no connection at all to the other movies. You could still use Jeremy Irons as Alfred. You could still use J.K. Simmons as uh, as Gordon. I mean, there's really no reason why you couldn't. I mean, the only reason why you couldn't is if Matt Reeve says, I actually think, you know, for what I want to do, this actor's better for Gordon and this actor's better for Alfred. But you don't have to, I don't think you have to completely, like, cut the cord from anything and everything from the Affleck era. Because keep in mind, they're not going to recast Wonder Woman just because they're recasting Batman. They're not going to recast Aquaman or Flash. Like, these... The rest of the DC, the rest of this DC films universe is is living on in some form. And if Batman is the only thing that's really changing, then so what? Then you just then it's a different actor who's Batman now, and that's all there is to it. Batman is our Americanized version of James Bond. A lot of different actors play have played James Bond, and like that's just how it's been. Like James Bond gets recast every couple of years. There's what, 30 films? That's what are we at? 30 films, 20 films, something like that. 20 something, yeah. Like 24, 25. I don't know. It's a lot. A lot of different James Bonds from Sean Connery to George Lazenby, uh, mm-hmm. Timothy Dalton, Pierce Brosnan. Like it can it can be done. Yep. And they you know, they kept the same kind of like, you know, cue didn't change up like ever. So you know, I, I really hope that they keep Jeremy Irons. He's been like there's always been something about him, like ever since I saw Die Hard with a Vengeance. I know, like it's so bizarre to say that, but ever like that's what I told Kyle when we were working together. I said, I was watching Die Hard with a Vengeance last night. Yeah, there's something about his voice. <laughs> there, he can he can tell you. That's what I said. I remember when you predicted that casting like a year in advance. <laughs> I know it was crazy. That is crazy. Um, so that's gonna do it for tonight's episode of 102 of Shame on the Batman. Sean, where can we find you on social media? I know you're everywhere now. You're becoming Chris Hardwick. <laughs> Not at all. But um, yeah, so if you want to find me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Sean Gerber, and that's Sean spelled S E A N. You can also find me on Superhero News or the, and also the Superhero News YouTube channel. That's where you can see Mark, myself, uh, our other co host, uh, Sabina. We go and talk about nerdy stuff pretty much every week including a bunch of dc film stuff so yeah you can find me in all those places um so that's gonna be it for this episode stay tuned